0: Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Well, thank you guys for being a part of our service today. Let's go ahead and jump into service. I'm going to start my reading at Luke chapter 8. Uh, my message today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, my message today is I Felt That. My message is entitled, I Felt That. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8, verse uh, 46, if you will read. Let me know when you guys are there. It's in the New Testament. Hopefully you guys have read these New Te- the New Testament parts and so you know this scripture. Luke chapter 8, verse 46, I'm reading out of the King James Version. It says this. And Jesus said, Someone hath touched me, for I perceive virtue has come out of me. Someone has touched me, and I perceive virtue has come. How powerful is that? That this person that touched Jesus touched him in a way that made a faith demand on the very essence of who God is. And that this touch that happened, pulled power out from him to them. You know that's still something that we can do today? That that didn't die out through the, uh, through, oh, just when the Bible ended. That that same power, that same anointing can be drawn from God. But how sad is it that the presence is here, but people aren't making a draw? How many times has the Holy Spirit been here that God is ready to move and He's waiting for someone to make a faith demand? To make a pool, a demand on who He is into their life, but it never happens. I remember pastor making a statement saying that the, the cemeteries are full of untapped potential, of dreams that never came to fruition. That that ministries that never happened because someone didn't make a stand or take a stand or make a step towards what God had called them to do. Next verse I want to start off reading is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And again, I'm reading out of the King James Version. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. For we have not, let me say not, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are. Yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. This is an amazing verse. I said all that to bring out one part of this verse. And that is that we have a priest that can be touched. Amen. The scripture says this. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched. We have a priest that can be touched. What they're saying is that there was priests in the Old Testament. And because of the rules and the laws and the way that they conducted things, they were not allowed to be touched by people. They were set apart. But now in the New Testament, we have a priest that this is saying, that we have a priest that can be touched, that is tangible, that can have a relationship with. That was the whole reason of salvation. Salvation wasn't just to get you to heaven. Because if that was the reason, then as soon as you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, you would have been shot to heaven. But that's not what it was about. Salvation was about restoring the relationship that God had with Adam. The same relationship that he walked with the, in the cool of the day with Adam, that's the relationship he wants with you. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. Scripture says that we have a, a high priest that can be touched. Let's go ahead and pray and get into service. Father, we come before you. We thank You for who You are in our lives. We thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. And we declare that it's new every single day. It surpasses all of our understandings and we thank You for it because You are so amazing. You're the only preacher. You're the only cause. You're the only answer. It's all about You, Father. I declare today that I would decrease so that You, the greater one on the inside of me, would increase. I thank You for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I believe that our, our lives, where we find ourselves today, are a byproduct of moments in our lives. That there's been things that happened, whether good or bad, all lead to where we are today. I'm sure a lot of us, we can look back at our lives and the decisions that we've made and the things that we've done throughout our life and almost pinpoint the decisions that we made that brought us to where we are today. Sometimes we don't want to admit it, <laughs> but there's things that we've done in our lives, moments, significant moments. You know, we all can think about moments in our, in our lives that, that play a part in who we are, whether it's, you know, when, when, you, went to first, when you first went to school or, or uh, for a parent, when you, when you uh, first looked at your child when they were born, and that moment just radically changed who you are. Maybe the first time when, when, you, when you gave your life to Jesus, that moment is now solidified and is burnt into your heart, and you can look back at how you were, and now you're, you, you've given your life to God, and I have this monumental moment in my life. You know, I, I think about my life, and as I think about my childhood and the things that I've done and, and the moments that I've spent with my parents, and and just how they they nurtured me, and helped me to flourish in life, and how they supported me, and whatever it was that I did, I wanted to play saxophone, they they put me in lessons, and they got me a saxophone, I didn't play it, I wanted to play drums, and so they they put me in the lessons, and they got me a little drum kit, and and I played it for a little bit, and then I stopped, And, and then I wanted to play sports, so I played soccer as a kid, and my dad was out there, I think he was like one of the coaches, and and then I wanted to play football, so he was a coach as well. And, and I can look at all these moments that I have in my life where my parents were there helping, nurturing. That's parents we, we do. You know, Alina and I, we, we talk a lot about our... We talk a lot because we're married. But <laughs> I talk to her sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, we talk a lot about our, our life. And, and I was, as I was getting ready for this message, I was thinking back at the, the different moments in my life. And, and I was thinking back at the times that I've spent talking with Alina about her life and the moments in her life yeah. a- a- and how we are today. and I'm always amazed at the person that she is today. Mm-hmm. I'm always amazed at the smile on her face and how it's just so strong and vibrant and evident because when I think about her life and how she was raised, when we talk about it, it's never joyful. It's always in tears. Mm-hmm. There's always pain because of her upbringing or the things that happened in her life. And I'm not looking at her because then I'll start crying. But there's pain that along with her story and it's it's pains that I can never understand or I would never want on somebody the things that she's gone through. And and I look back and I say, "I, I have no understanding of how strong you are, how you are the person you are today or the fact that you even have a smile on your face and you don't hate the world and everybody in it. I wouldn't blame you if you did. But there's moments in her life, the things that she's gone through that people shouldn't have to go through. And I look at where she's at now and I can only see the hand of God helping and protecting her. Amen. You know, there was times in her life and, and now that she's a believer and, and, and has Christ on the inside of her heart, we look back at her life and, and she says, you know, there was, there was times where I was going through something and, and, and I would be crying and just start to speak to somebody. And I didn't know who it was. I, didn't, I wasn't raised... Christian, I didn't know anything about God. She didn't know anything about God until she met me, actually. But she looks back at her life and she says, you know what? I remember praying, but I didn't know I was praying. I remember talking to now that I know it's God, but I didn't know it was God. But I knew that I was talking. I was yearning for a relationship with something when someone that was bigger than me. And she looked back at the moments where she was hurt and she was... Broken and she was hurting, and and she could say, "I, I, I remember those moments, and I remember talking to someone that I didn't know who it was, but I knew now I know that it's God. I believe that each and every one of us have a story similar in some way, shape, or form. There are people in this world who are going through things that we don't even know what's going on in their lives. This is why we say, Don't be so quick to judge because you don't know what someone else is going through. You don't know the hurts that they're going through, the pains that they're going through. You don't know the reason they're this person could possibly be because X, Y, and Z. These moments in their life that shaped who they are, and their outlook on life, their outlook on people, these moments can change our lives. As I was meditating and, and going over this message for today, I was trying to go through scripture and see monumental moments, things that happen in other people's lives. And I'm reminded of Zacchaeus, the, the short guy who wanted to see Jesus. And it says that he saw, he heard that Jesus was coming to his town, so it says he ran ahead and climbed up a tree. I love this story. Whoever if you, if you was raised in church, you know the, the song? Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. You guys know that one? No? Yes? Yeah. I remember that song. <laughs> Super annoying, but it was catchy. For the Lord, he wanted to see, so he climbed way up a sycamore tree. No, okay. So Zacchaeus, you got it. Zacchaeus was this man in scripture It says that he wanted to get a glimpse, just a glimpse of who this man Jesus was that everybody was talking about. All this bustle, all this noise was going on about this one man named Jesus, and Zacchaeus wanted to see who this guy was. So it says he runs ahead and climbs a tree because he's short. And as Jesus is passing by, it says that he stops dead in his tracks, stops everything that is going on. There's a huge crowd of people following Jesus. He stops and looks up at the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down, because I am going to your house. First off, he knew who he was. Isn't it awesome that God knows who we are? that God sees us no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, God sees you. Remember I said, it says that we have a God, we have a priest that can be touched, that yearns for a relationship with you, not a religion, but a relationship. But he says, the key is, come down. I want to go to your house today. And then it stops there. We don't know what happened after Jesus entered the home. And I love that we don't know. Because then, as Christians, we always love to do this. We love to make five-point systems and how to do things. And God's like, no, 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 you're going to figure it out on your own. You're just going to get before God and figure out what's going on. But he says, we don't understand what happened between Jesus and Zacchaeus in the home. All we know is that Zacchaeus leaves that encounter, that moment with Jesus. And Jesus declares, salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come. Jesus is still alive. How powerful is that, that Jesus can make a statement say, this guy got it. This guy got something. And Zacchaeus, it literally radically changes. He said, I'm going to give back everything I've stolen and give back that much even more over and above and beyond what I've stolen. I'm giving it all back that the encounter, the moment with Jesus Christ was so strong to the point where it was conviction on his heart to say, I, don't, I need to not just turn from my ways, but pay back what I've stolen. Amen. Salvation came to that house that day. Yeah. Or I, 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 I remember the man at the pool of Bethesda who was sick for so many years, stuck in that situation with no help from anybody. And Jesus was on his way to temple and it says he he uh, not only he was on his way to temple and turned and went to the pool of Bethesda, which was outside the way. It wasn't a, a destination point, you could say. Do your research. This was a dirty place. This was a place where all sick people would gather, meaning that it stunk. It was dirty. There was no bathrooms. People lived there, and the and the, the just hopes to get uh, touch the water and be healed. So this place is dirty. It's not a destination zone. Yeah. Jesus is on his way to the temple, and he makes a detour. How many of you are happy that we have a God that makes detours? Because, man, how many of you know you was lost? You, you, was, you was way out there, and God was like, I'm going to make this detour because this person needs some help over here. That this person over here, I'm going to meet him right where they're at. I have a friend who uh, was a Christian. He walked away from God. Walked away from God and didn't want any. He literally made a 180. did not want anything to do with God. I mean nothing. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to be around it. He wanted literally nothing to do with God. Grew up in church. And he was, in his mind, he said people kept reaching out to me like, hey man, I'm just praying for you. And he would get upset. Hang up the phone. Didn't want nothing to do with God. He said he went to a, a tattoo shop. He had an appointment for a tattoo. The guy said, hey, I'm closing. Just come out. You'll be my last one. So he went out to get a tattoo, and the guy closed the door because he was locking up. So he said, it's just him and the tattoo artist. And he says he's literally sitting on the table getting a tattoo, and the tattoo artist looks at him and says, you know what? I uh, I feel the Holy Spirit telling me that I need to talk to you about something. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) I literally came here, the last place I would think that I would hear the gospel From a tattoo artist. I didn't want anything to do with God. You locked the door. You're tattooing my arm. There's nowhere I can leave. And he says, I know. He says, I just feel a burning on the inside that you need to turn your life back to God. I'm telling you, God makes detours. That we serve a God that can be touched. We serve a God that makes detours. As I was preparing, I... Zoned in on this one passage that I just love. I love this passage of scripture. And we find it in the book of Mark, chapter 5. Let's go ahead and turn to Mark, chapter 5, verse 22. Let me know when you guys are there. If you can't find it, just fake it. It's okay. <laughs> That's a real thing. I mean, you ever been, like, the pastor's preaching and you can't find the book, so you're, he's like, turn to Micah, and you're, you're in Malachi, so you're like, you know what? That's close enough, God. I'm there. <laughs> You know my heart, I'm in the M's, it's all good. There's been plenty of times that I've done that, I've just been like, alright, I'm here, yeah. But Mark chapter 5, verse 22, it's a real thing, guys, it's okay. Mark chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and saw, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and when he saw Jesus, as he fell at his feet and begged Him earnestly, saying, My little daughter, lie at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be well. So this is, this man, iris once again has heard about Jesus and, and the miraculous things that He's doing. He, he's, he's healing the leopard. He's opening the blinded eyes. He's raising the, uh, the, the, the lame can walk and all these miraculous things that Jesus is doing And this man, iris hears about what is going on. So he travels from where he is to find Jesus. And once he finds Jesus, it says he falls down at his feet and begins to worship him and asks, my daughter, she's dying. How many of you have any kids and if they were at the point of death and you've exhausted all of your options, but you hear about a man, you would do anything to get there. Just to bring that person back to your child to raise them from the. It says her daughter is at the point of death, I meaning there's there's no other options. There's no other a cure. There's, there, there's, there's nothing she could do to get well on her own. And the parents, they feel hopeless. It says he comes and he falls down at Jesus' feet. And he says, My daughter is at the point of death. Can you just come? minister to her now this is problematic for me this is this isn't you wouldn't say this is good protocol for Jesus to agree to go to this woman's to this man's house you see because the Mishnah which is the first part of the Talmud the Talmud is the law portion of the Torah the Torah is the five first books of the Bible meaning that's what the, the Hebrews or, or the Jewish people, they memorize. That's their Bibles, the first five books of the Bible. The Talmud is the law portion, and the Mishnah is the first part of the Talmud. The Talmud is the oral law, meaning what God gave to Moses, which was written down for people to follow. The Gomorrah is the uh, interpretation of the law. It's the second part of the Talmud. The interpretation is how a a rabbi views that law. So if there's a law meaning the Sabbath is holy, you're not supposed to do anything, a rabbi can say, I allow you to go as far as from your house to the temple and that's it. Another rabbi may say, you know what, I'm allowing you to go to the temple and further because you may possibly need to go home. So that is as far as you can go on the Sabbath. See, this is when you were a Jewish person in the first century Jewish world, you had a rabbi. And their rabbi, your rabbi, placed his yoke upon you. And that was his interpretation of the law. That's why we see in, what is it? Matthew, what is it? Matthew, I think what it is, yeah. Matthew, scripture says, let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to read it to you. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. This is Jesus speaking, red letter edition. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, from I am gentle and lowly of heart. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is why Jesus says that, because people were living their lives with this yoke that they just could not carry. Their Mishnah was just too hard to bear. Their Gomorrah was too heavy for them to carry on their own. So why do I say this is problematic? Because the Mishnah in in the book of Leviticus lays out the foundation of rules for a rabbi or for a priest at that time. A priest was not allowed to touch a dead body nor was he allowed to even enter the house of a dead body or to touch somebody who was sick. So for Jesus to say, yes, I will come to your house when your daughter is about to die is a no-no. He is not allowed to go to her home. To go and visit her, to enter into the door, he is not allowed by law. So this is problematic for me. It doesn't work. That's why I read you Hebrews in the beginning. See, Hebrews says, let's read it again. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. It's saying we have a God. We have a priest that can be touched. We have a priest that can be touched. You see, our God is about a, a, a relationship, not a religion. Our God is in the business of multiplication, not division. Our God is in the business of addition, not subtraction. Our God is in the business of increase, not decrease. See, he's trying to move you forward, and the only way that that happens is through relationship, through touch, through an intimacy with God. See, the book of Hebrews is a uh, analyst. It's analyzing two different spectrum spectrums. It's the Coke and Pepsi challenge. It's the the test that they give Coke or Pepsi, which one is better? They both have the same color. They both have the same density, but one of them's got to taste better. <clears throat> that's Coke, but um, I'm just gonna say that's Coke. You can at me later. I don't care. But the, book, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is giving you a comparison. He's going through, he said, see, there was priests in the Old Testament, but they weren't allowed to touch people. They weren't allowed to touch the dead or the sick and all these different things. So he gives you one can full of the Old Covenant. He said, here's the other can and it's full of the new covenant because of the, the, the finished work and blood of Jesus Christ, you now have this other can. He's giving the illustration to let you know that we as Christians have a far better covenant than that which of the Old Testament. That's good. There was a disconnect. There was a separation. He's saying, look, we have a priest that can be touched. Yes. We have a priest that is tangible. Yes. And he wants a relationship with you. This isn't about religion. This is about relationship. We have a priest that can be touched. See, when we walk with God, God only has one pace that He keeps. Only one speed of walk. And that pace, that speed is faith to faith. Glory to glory. It's always moving forward. It's always moving forward. It's never taking steps back. He only moves forward. He wants you to move forward. He's only pushing you. He wants the best for you. It says, faith to faith, you're making leaps and bounds with God. This is the relationship that He sees something so great in you, even if you don't see it yourself. He has called you. He's anointed you. He's appointed you. And He's touched you. Amen? Let's jump back to to Mark chapter 5, if you will, with me. Mark chapter 5. In the next couple of minutes that I have left, I'm going to, I want to just read this whole portion of Scripture because it's just this encounter that this Jairus this and this woman have are just so amazing. Let's go ahead and read from chapter 22 and we'll jump all the way down. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and saw him and fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, <sighs> Okay, My daughter is lying at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And she will live. And Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman. Someone say a certain woman. I like that it doesn't say her name. See, I like when I read scriptures and it's about something miraculous that happened, like a monumental moment in someone's life. And they don't give the name because then I take it upon myself just to insert myself there. I want to say, because I understand that God is no respecter of a person. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He did it for one person, He's obligated to do it for me. Yeah. All right. All right. See, see, if God healed this person and He does not change, then He'll heal me. Amen. If God blessed that person over there, then He'll have to bless me in some kind of way. Amen. I just got to stay in line. Good. Stay in line. Good. I just got to stay. See, sometimes we get too frustrated and we get out of line. See, just because someone else got theirs, maybe they've been in line a little longer than you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't get frustrated and be like, I'm out of this line. You ever go to Costco and there's all these lines and you get in one line and one's going faster, so then you jump into this one and then something happens and they got all these coupons and you're like, oh man, that line's already gone. I'm saying just don't get out of line. Just, just stay in line. God will, on his time, it's not your time. It's his time. Let's go and read. Now a certain woman with a foul of blood for 12 years, for 12 years, who had suffered many things from many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard, ha, she heard about Jesus. Yeah. This is why you are so important. This is why Christians are so important. You think that it's just all about the pastors? It's all about the prophets and evangelists and the teachers? No prophet came to her. No pastor, no rabbi came to her. She heard from someone just walking around. How important is it for us? As Christians, drop the labels as just a believer to be speaking what God is doing. Our God is so good. My, my, my God, I, you should have seen how I was. You don't know what I've been through, but I can tell you where I'm at right now because God has brought me to this place. See, my, my story isn't your story, but the God who brought me here is the same God that can bring you there. It says that she heard. Someone was preaching the good news. And didn't even know it. They were just talking about God's goodness. And she's like, wait a minute. I've been sick for 12 years. I've been to every single physician. See, the Levitical law would have given her seven ways how to get healed. And as a Jewish woman, she would have done every single seven of them. But it says that she did everything that she could. She spent all the money that she had. And not gotten any better, but grew worse. It says she had a foul. This woman was alone. And I'm not talking lonely, but she was 12 years alone. Let let me break it down to you. Like I said, I like to put myself in the position and try to see it from her point of view and how she was going. I can't ultimately know everything, but I can try to imagine. Remember when you were kids and you had imaginations? Let's bring them back. (laughs) Try to imagine this woman 12 years on her own. Why is she on her own? Because she has an ailment. And this ailment is a foul of blood, meaning that her period never stopped. For 12 years! And so because of that, she was labeled unclean. Not just her, but everything she touched and anybody that came in contact with her was now labeled unclean. So imagine with me, if you will, how this... Must have played on her mentally, emotionally, physically. If she was married, she couldn't be with her husband anymore. If she had children, she couldn't be around her kids anymore. She was literally separate from the whole community. She was outside of the community on her own. Imagine how just feeble she must have felt. Twelve years going through this, constant bleeding, never stopping, no ceasing. Imagine how it must have felt to try to keep things clean when you just can't. Your your bed sheets, your bed, the seat you sit on, everything is labeled unclean now. Not only was she labeled unclean, she felt unclean. Imagine that for 12 years people keep telling you you're unclean. Imagine what that does to you on the inside that this is just who I am now. This is... This is my lot in life. I'm never going to get well. I mean, imagine a year goes by, you're like, okay, it's going to get better. Five years goes by, we're going to find a cure for this. Ten years goes by, and you're just like, I'm done. I can't, there's nothing more I could do. I've tried everything. I'm literally broke. I, nobody comes to see me. Twelve years now. She's lost all hope. She's desperate. She's desperate. And she hears about a man. A man who has opened the blinded eyes and raised the lame to walk. and He's even healed leprosy. He did all this stuff and he didn't charge anybody. I've spent everything and nobody's been able to help me. I heard about this man named Jesus. If I can just get to where he's at, Maybe I can get something from him. He's not charging anybody. Maybe I can... I, 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 can, I know if I could just get to where... I don't even need him to talk to me. I don't even need him to look at me. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Yes. yes, That's all I need. That's all I want. I don't want a huge talk, a seminar. I don't need three people to pray for me. I don't need him to give a special word to me. I just need to touch... A piece of fabric that he's holding or he's wearing. That's all I need. I don't need anything else but just to touch the fabric that he's wearing. So she makes this decision. Desperation and faith mixed together are a very strong component. See, at this point, she could have taken either D. She could have been depressed. She went with depressed. I mean, with. Uh, desperate because desperate once you're backed up against a wall and you're desperate something kicks in on the inside of you yes. you, you never back a dog into a corner why because the, the, the nicest dog will attack it don't matter This woman has been through everything. She's moved maybe from from depression now to desperate. She's desperate for something, some kind of answer, some kind of hope, some kind of healing. She's got nothing else going for her, so why not try Jesus? So she steps out from where he is. She steps out of her comfort zone onto desperation and faith and begins to move towards a priest that can be touched. See, she's lived her life not touching anybody. Always conscious of not to touch things or touch anybody. Only her own stuff. Because if she touches them, then they're unclean. And if she touches somebody, then they're unclean. Nobody wants that. But now she's thinking in the back of her head, if I go to find Jesus, I, I know he's over in this certain area. He's in a crowd. And most likely he's in the middle of the crowd. Yes. So how am I going to get to him? I, I might touch somebody. And now my sickness is now transferred onto them. My shame is now transferred onto that person. And she says to herself, I I got nothing else to lose. I either stay here and die, or I go out there and be persecuted. So she leaves the place from where she is, and she moves towards Jesus. And it says that she touched the hem of his garment, meaning that it was at the bottom. I like to think that she was crawling Or crouching through the crowd. This is a woman that is trying to hide who she is because she knows if someone sees me and recognizes me, they can turn on me. Because I'm not supposed to be here. How many of you are not supposed to be here? You say, man, I, I should have died a long time ago. I should not be here, but through the grace of God, I am here today. This woman... Does the unthinkable, this tenacity, rises up on the inside of her, this just this, this grit. Like, I'm going. It does not matter. I'm done living where I'm at. I'm done living. See, I've had a lifetime of law. I've had a lifetime of religion. And it's not made me any better. I need a priest that I can touch. I've had a lot of priests from afar, tell me what to do. But no one's ever touched me. So she goes out into this crowd and it says that she touches the hem of his garment. Let's keep going. It says this. When she heard about Jesus, she came from behind him and touched, through the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch the cloth, I shall be made well. And immediately, it says immediately. What it, you know what immediate means? It means instant. Yeah. As soon as she touched it, the power, that virtue that we talked about in the beginning in Luke, it says virtue has been pulled from me. That virtue, that power shot through her body and eradicated oh everything God. that was ailing her. Amen. Everything that was causing her pain immediately left her life. Why? Because Jesus laid hands on her, prayed in tongues, and no, that he sprinkled water on her. She literally touched a piece of cloth. And it says the power of God shot through that cloth and just completely changed out her whole makeup. All the insides were brand new. Everything changed. Why? Because she had a lifetime of religion? No, because she had a moment with Jesus. Yes. Yes. See, this isn't about a lifetime of, of, of sorrow I don't care if you've had a lifetime of pain, a lifetime of hurt. I'm telling you, all you need is a moment with Jesus. All right. All right. You don't yeah. need a lifetime of religion. You just need a moment with Jesus. Yes. I believe this church is, is a moment-style church. Yes. That we come every Sunday looking for a new moment with God. We're not. Yes, we, we thank you for last week, but this is Sunday. We want a new moment. We need a new moment with God because last week was last week, but this week is this week. And I, I had issues last week, but this, I got these week issues. And I needed this week moment with God. This woman said, I'm going to leave where I am and all the things that I have, and I need a new moment in my life. I need a life change. And it says that she touched the... I love Jesus. I hear He's so amazing. He says, And Jesus, immediately knowing... In himself the power had gone out from him, turns around. How awesome is it that Jesus turned around to look at the person who had pulled on his anointing. It's so intimate. Jesus could have known that it was drawn and just kept walking. And not cared. But he knew exactly what happened and who it happened to. He, he, it says he's walking, he touches, and immediately she knows she's healed and he knows she healed. So he turns around full of joy like, you got it. I've been waiting for you. She says, immediately, immediately. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out for him, turned around. In the crowd and said, Who touched me? I think it's funny that the disciples were clueless. They didn't know anything that was going on. I find hope in that because there's lots of times I don't know what's going on. There's times where things are happening. I'm like, What what scripture are we at? What's going on? But the disciples were clueless and, and Jesus doesn't rebuke them for it. He says, I know something that happened because I can feel that power has gone out of me. And his disciples turned and said, the multitude throngs you, Jesus. And you say, who touched me? Verse 32. And he looked around and saw her who had done these things. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what, she, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. See, she was scared because she knows that Mishnah forbids me to be here. Through the Levitical law, I am not allowed to be in this situation. I'm not allowed to be in this group. I'm definitely not allowed to touch somebody. And I've broken all these laws. So she comes, as Jesus is a rabbi, he turns to see who it was. And now she's scared. She's timid. She's feeling inferior. And she falls down at his feet with fear and trembling. It says, he looked to see her who had done this, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what she had done, came and fell down before him and told him all the things that had happened. And he says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your afflictions. I like that he says daughter. He could have said woman. He could have said lady. He could have said miss, ma'am, anything. Anything. But he chose his word so beautifully. He said, daughter, meaning you're part of the family. <laughs> As a, a parent, I don't have a daughter, but I have a son. and I don't call him just anything. I, say in, I call him intimately. I say he's my son, or Taj, or, or my love. I call him intimacy with him. I have intimate with him. He's my son. Amen. And Jesus says, Daughter. My child, you're well. And it wasn't just because of me. It's because you made a faith demand on it. Whether you realized it, knew about it or not, what you did made a draw on my anointing. So I started this message talking about how I feel that Jesus going to uh, Jairus' house is problematic. Now, I like this, this portion of Scripture because it's just, it shows just how amazing Jesus is and how he just knows what he's doing. Like he, he, He's never surprised. He's never like, oh my gosh, someone touched me. I didn't know that was going to happen today. I should have worn my other robe. This, this woman comes through the crowd and touches him. What is he doing? He's on his way to Jairus' house. To go do what? He'll bring back to life a dead girl, right? Right? Everybody's on the same page? Yeah. Jesus is on his way to a dead woman's house when he's not supposed to go. Not supposed to be there. By law, he should not go. I, see, here's what happens here. You, you may have missed it. Jesus is walking to Jairus' house And a woman who has an infirmity and is unclean touches him. Remember I told you that she's not allowed to be by anybody because she touches anybody and they become unclean themselves. Jesus slowed down that day. Jesus said, yes, I'm going to go. Let's go to your house. I believe he just started strolling just like, We're going to go, but we're going to take our time today. (laughs) Why was he taking his time? Because he knew there was a woman over here who was battling with something on the inside of her. She had to make a decision. I, I could either go and break the law, and I could try to touch Jesus, or I could stay in my comfort zone right here. And Jesus knew what was going on. And so he's waiting. He's taking his time, just walking. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, Good job, guys. Shaking hands, kissing babies, just taking his time. And he's waiting for this woman to come and touch his garment. Did you guys catch it yet? Yeah. See, see he's, he's a rabbi under Levitical law. Not allowed to go to a dead woman's house unless he's deemed unclean. Jesus is walking, and an unclean woman comes and touches him. So, by Levitical law, he's now deemed unclean. Therefore, he can go to the woman's house. I'm telling you, it's like Jesus knows what he's doing, like he has a plan. He's waiting for this woman. He turned around like, I've been waiting for you. You are being a partaker in this woman being raised from the dead. There's no way that I can leave you in your current situation. You received power, so I can give power over here as well. Come on. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. Her monumental moment created a moment of life in another young girl. Oh, wow. How awesome is this? This is why I always say that it's not just about you, that God has more in store. There's God sees you, but He sees everybody that you can touch as well. See, He sees further than just you. That's why he says he's a generational God. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, because Abraham was great, and he had to deal with Jacob, uh, Abraham, but before he was even while he was talking to Abram, he already saw Jacob. As he was dealing with Jacob, he saw you. It goes, he's further, he's looking further than just you. He said, I'm gonna heal this girl so I can heal that girl. Why? Because Hebrews says, We have a God, a priest, that can be touched. We have a God that wants to touch you. We have a God that wants a relationship with you that sees you where you are, but loves you so much that does not want to leave you where you are. See, this woman who was hurt, who was broken, who was left alone, who was pushed aside, who felt worthless and hopeless, stepped out from where she was on faith and desperation and ran smack into the God that changes dead circumstances. She ran into the God that turns dead things back to life. I'm telling you today, grab on to your moment today. This is a moment relationship with Jesus. This is a moment, church, where we're about new and fresh anointing with God. Our relationship is further. It's great faith to faith. It's grace to grace. I'm here to tell you today that we serve a God that can be touched. Amen? Amen. Father, we just... If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.